You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since All right, everybody, welcome to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Here we are, July 5th, 1922. Yes, July 5th, 2022. (laughs) Only politically. Well, I mean, you know, I I did tell Will right before we started recording, I ate two hot dogs and drank a beer, so I had the Babe Ruth diet going. So 1922 seems like it was probably on my mind somehow. Uh, Yeah, feeling really good about the... uh, (laughs) the diet i'm got going on right now um well anyway welcome 2022 july 5th the day after nine finger day we are here and uh we brought along our good friend josh Rotato. josh how you doing i'm doing all right how are you guys uh well we're we're hanging in there man we're we're, we're keep chugging along i don't i don't know uh i don't know how we do it but we we, we keep it going you know it's through it it's 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 the love, you know. We all have the common love, yeah. so you know it's uh, it keeps us motivated and it keeps us uh, definitely keeps us going. Um, so this is episode five ninety, and uh, we're talking about a selection Josh sent our way, which we had not seen. Will nor I had seen at all. Uh, we both respect this filmmaker quite a bit, and we love or have loved. I think at least one or two of his films have been on top ten list of mine over the last decade. Um. But uh, we're going to be doing It Comes from 2018, uh, directed by Tetsuya Nakashima. I hope I said it right. And uh, that's as good as it's going to get. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Josh had thrown two or three our way, and we just saw this, and we were like, well, I didn't even know he made another movie. Because uh, I think the thing he made before this was Kanako, right? Yes. And uh, we both uh, enjoyed Kanako, Will and I, and uh, we were just like, oh, what's this? Uh, he's got another movie, and it's a horror movie. Oh, well, how about that? We need to. So it didn't take long for us to to make a choice, because um, I don't even know if we'll honestly. I, I don't know if we ever even have reviewed one of his films proper, have we? I, well, other than um, Kamikaze Girls. Kamikaze Girls. That's right. That's right. It goes way back. That's probably in like double digit episodes, single digit. Like that's yeah, it's, back it's like first decade, year. Right? Yeah, it's like first year. So I don't even know. I don't even know what I was into back then. 
you know, I didn't even have children back then. So I don't know what was going on. I was still eating hot dogs and drinking beer, though. <laughs> the glory years of 1922. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we are very happy to have Josh here. Uh, let's get into what we've been watching because obviously we have a limited amount of time. Josh, we're going to defer to you. See if you can throw some things our way. What have you been up to lately? Uh, sure. Well, you know, right before we came on, I mentioned that uh, I have been down with the COVID, and I think we had th- that in common. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, several of us. And so I've parked myself on the couch. I'm I'm addicted to Letterboxd. And according to Letterboxd, I have watched 45 movies in the last six days. Holy uh, Jesus. Jesus. So, I will I will not list them all, but uh, wow! I, I, it's, you know what? That, you morning, know what? That's an impressive run. I mean, I yeah, I got to give you. I mean, I've I've had some pretty good runs over four or five days, but I don't think I've ever done that. I could not tell you the name of a single character in any one of them. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, because I I went I went in and I just my brain the first thing that I lost for COVID was any ability to comprehend anything at all. Yeah. Um, and so I found just the dumbest shit I could on Tubi, which if you we've been on Tubi, that's all there is. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of dumb stuff on there. And so I I went through uh, uh, like two days of uh, 80s beach sex comedies, uh, <laughs> hard bodies, uh, shit like that. I watched three Vice Academy movies. I went through the full moon catalog. I just I went nuts. Wow. wow. Um, some st- uh, some and- true uh, some true gems in them uh, caves there. <laughs> Oh yes, just some some of the worst shit you've ever seen. Uh, I did see Body Slam. That wasn't uh, it's not good, but it's you know Hal Needham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I actually watched that not too long ago, uh, and uh, yeah, it's not good, but it's uh, it's interesting. It's yeah, but, uh, some some things that I I had meant to watch for a long time and ended up really like liking were uh, like Married to the Mob. For some reason, I'd never seen Married to the Mob. Hmm. Yep. That movie's great. Uh, Electric Dreams for the first time saw that. That oh, was nice. great. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, the first three Angel movies, the first three Vice Academy movies, <laughs> just, <laughs> just uh, uh, so much trash. Oh, and Alligator. That was another one that I I been meaning to watch for a long time, but hadn't watched ever. And I love Alligator now. Yeah, so that 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 was cool. I saw you posted that, and I, and you said that you had never seen it, and I was like, wow, that's that's actually pretty cool because that seems like you know. Obviously, there's certain movies where you think, well, everybody's probably seen, like, you know, The Howling yeah, sure. or Gremlins or something. Surely, most everybody's seen Alligator by now. But then you said, yes, I was like, man, I'm so jealous. He's watching it for the first time. And uh, I'm glad you dug it. Yeah, that was great. It was, uh, I'm going to definitely go back at some time in the not too distant future. Nice. Nice. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about of those 45? I, I will, I will spare you the full list. <laughs> Nothing from the full moon. Uh, okay. Yeah. The, the subspecies films, maybe, uh, uh, I did, I did the first puppet master. I did, uh, S- slave girls from beyond infinity. Ooh, nice. Ooh. Uh, what else did I do? Shit. I wanted to do, uh, sorority babes in the slime ball bolorama, but I already seen it. Yeah. And I was trying to like, not do that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, oh creepazoids creepazoids was fun okay nice. yeah 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 i like sorority babes it's uh it's a it's a true piece of filth but I, I do really enjoy it yeah that's a good one yeah it's it's a good time yeah no dr mordred no uh well. <laughs> that's the uh jeffrey combs uh sorcerer film i remember thinking this movie's gonna be amazing and then i rented it and i was like oh this movie's not amazing 
I don't know. Full Full Moon was that label for me growing up. Like they would they would really sell me. They really they they put these straight to video films out and they would put them out and I would be like, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the one. And and even though I do have a soft spot for some of their films, uh, some of the Puppet Master films, and I think some of the other stuff they did, um, yeah, it's just yeah, just they never really kind of lived up to that promise, really. I mean, they knew how to put together a box cover. Yes. Yes, they did. Yeah. They are definitely one of the golden era VHS uh, labels, no doubt. I've thought about buying some of that stuff for my, you know, Blu-ray and DVD collection stuff. Right. And then I just remember that uh, the movies weren't really that great. Uh, so it, it always kind of, always kind of balk at uh, the full moon purchases. And Yeah, I, I, I own a few just because I, they weren't like Castle Freak or something like that, where I don't mm-hmm. own it because it's a, a full moon movie. I own, it, I own it because it's a Stuart Gordon movie. Right, right. You know? Yes, precisely. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There was a few directors that actually would uh, come in there and work with them a little bit. I don't know, too, not too many though, but uh, there was a no. few. What's that Tim Thomerson like mini cop one toy uh, cop? What's it called? Uh, Dollman. Oh, Dollman. Yeah, Dollman. Speaking of Tim Thomerson, I watched Transfers also. While yeah, was, uh, outstanding. Yeah, Transfers. Transfers is getting a 4K release, oh, uh, which is just insane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just the the world we live in now is. <laughs> It's upside down and all kinds of other things. <laughs> when transfers is getting four K. Um, okay, uh, Will, what have you been up to, man? You, you say you didn't watch much, but surely you watched. I'm um, something. I'm assuming. So yeah, I didn't watch much. Like I said, we're we're kind of coming at the end of the tunnel here with a little bit of free time uh, opening up. I watched one film and I I laughed because this was the only day it seems like in weeks where i had any free time where like a rugby practice got canceled i left work early i didn't get a haircut i laid on the couch at like i don't know eight o'clock i was like wow i'm i'm gonna throw a movie on right now no one's here to you know put their two cents in and say let's watch this or that and uh and I swear, Josh, I didn't watch this because you were on. I laughed. <laughs> and, I, and I watched it because I was like, oh God, I hope Josh doesn't think I watched this because he's coming on the show. Uh, it was Mississippi Masala. Oh, okay. So I had never seen this. And this is going to be a very embarrassing uh, revelation. But all these years, I thought this was a Spike Lee film. And ah. it's a mirror film. Yeah. Yeah. So. And truth be told, I watched it because I'm a huge fan of Sarita Chowdhury. I think she's one of the most breathtaking women, uh, you know, that I just she's just I'm so enchanted by her. I think she's great on screen. Um, And I'd always meant to kind of see this. And I felt like, you know what? You know, I like young Denzel. I'm going to throw this on. So I threw it on. I quite enjoyed it. Um, I mean, it doesn't reinvent the wheel, but. It's kind of ironic in hindsight that I thought it, of Spike Lee, or I thought it was a Spike Lee film, just because of you know, some of the use of colors and some of the camera work. I mean, it could have been the time too, right? But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. All in all, it was uh, it was good. I wish she had to work more. It was cool. I'm going to see her in the Green Knight recently. Um, yeah, she was in that, and she was in uh, was she in After Yang that that film that uh, yes, she was. Yeah, yep. so she's been kind of just bubbling around the subconscious. Uh, yeah. Sometimes. Striking yeah, no. striking looking woman woman. Woming. Yeah. Woming, man, woming. <laughs> she's she's someone that kind of like um for me, like Sophia Loren, that I never understood the i I've probably said this in the show before. I never understood the fuss about Sophia Loren. 
until I started watching her in the Italian sex comedies. And then I got it. Yeah. Right. Just she you have to see her moving, breathing, um, even like Lauren Bacall. Same thing. Like just utterly enchanting when you see her performing. So mm-hmm. that was the uh, the Lone Ranger this week, man. I had one of those this week, but you're never you're never going to guess with what actress. But I'm going to tell you uh, here in just a few. Uh, I watched a few things. First of all, I just want to say I was. What's that? What? <laughs> after the short commercial break. Yeah, after the short commercial break. Now the uh, I I checked out a few things. So I I, I was ill, uh, not too bad shape, just kind of you know just kind of blah, more than anything. And I was like, you know what? I need I need to watch more Don Lee movies because I love Don Lee. And yet there's movies sitting around of his that I haven't watched. So I was like, what is available out there on the services? So I made sure I checked out um, The Gangster, The Cop, and The Devil, which is a good one. It's very, very, very good. It's getting remade, actually, here in the States. And uh, I think they're remaking it with him in the lead. I I think originally Stallone bought it and was going to remake it for himself in in some regard. And I don't know if he's still going to be in the movie. I, I hope he is. I hope Stallone and Don Lee are in a movie together. But... That would just be wishful thinking on my part, but um, I know Don Lee's, they're, they're trying to kind of cross him over into America. I don't know if he really needs that, but, you know, he's very likable, very charismatic actor. Um, he is the, as we talked about what the last week, right, he's kind of become the master of uh, the the kind of uh, the slap. You know, he's like, you know, he's the new Bud Spencer yeah, in a weird way uh, where he's got this slap. And so I was looking for something. I was thinking about that when Will said that because he kind of compared him to Bud Spencer last week. I was thinking, well, is there any, you know, I haven't seen much of his comedies. I'm almost always seeing every film he's in. He's almost always a gangster or a cop. So I looked for a film and I found one on, um, I think it was on Tubi. It's called, no, it's it was on uh, Freebie. Okay, here we go. Freebie. It was on Amazon's, uh, Amazon bought IMDb TV and they renamed it Freebie. Uh, it's, so, it's so stupid saying these service names. I feel like such a like such a goober. I feel like somebody standing up on the stage and like a black turtleneck going. And now we introduced Freebie. Um, it's it's a free service, obviously commercials and all that kind of stuff. And uh, they had a film in there called Startup, which is about these two young guys who uh, are kind of lost in life and kind of need to find jobs and stuff. And one of them ends up working in a a Chinese restaurant where Don Lee happens to be wearing a really bad wig and playing this kind of violent cook. Um, the movie goes places, so I don't want to talk about it too much, but it actually is quite emotional and I got caught up in it and it's a very silly movie, but it, it's, it, it's that type of Asian film where the humor is very broad, but yet the drama and the violence are very heavy. <laughs> and you're kind of like, what kind of movie is this exactly? Uh, um, but after it was all said and done, like, you know, it got a little dusty in the room, it got a little dusty in the room in some spots. So I really quite enjoyed it. So I'd definitely recommend checking out startup. You'll, if you look for it, you'll find Don Lee in a in truly incredibly bad wig, uh, as the kind of a uh, poster for the movie. So definitely check it out. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed if you like Don Lee movies. He's not the star, but he's, he's got a pretty deep, uh, big part in there. And then I watched, an erotic thriller with Don Lee in it. I didn't know it was an erotic thriller. It's called Deep Trap, a.k.a. Exchange. And it's about this couple who can't have a child, and they go to this remote uh, restaurant-slash-vacation spot. Don Lee's the cook-slash-landlord with his mute girlfriend that he always calls moron the whole time throughout the movie. So, again, some more of that Asian charm uh, coming through. Um 
and it turns into this erotic thriller slash food horror slash slasher type thing. <laughs> it really just, it's really, it's, it's an odd movie and it's really like completely like the total opposite of anything I've ever seen Don Lee do. He's really good in the movie and uh, the acting's really good. The movie's a little, uh, the way it's shot, it's, it looks like it's shot digitally and stuff. So it's a little shinsy as far as the filmmaking goes, in my opinion, it looks a little amateur, but once they get the acting going on and the, and the plot gets kind of deep and you start digging into some of the kind of erotic bits and everything like that, uh, Don Lee's booty and all things like that, uh, you really start to get uh, caught up in it. <laughs> be, be careful. Don't get caught up too close in Don Lee's uh, deep trap there. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, couple other things. Watched uh, Going Traction's The Definitive Story of the Movie Palace, which is pretty cool. It was on TCM. Again, I was on the couch, and I was just going through any service that I might have. And I was like, well, I wonder if TCM's got something that I haven't seen in some time. And I saw this going attractions. I remember this filmmaker had made a, a documentary on drive-in movie theaters. And uh, I can't remember what that's called. Something attractions. Driving attractions, going attractions. I, I can't remember anyway. This was about movie palaces. And it's pretty cool if, you, uh, if you're interested in movie palaces. There's not a whole lot of them left. Um, but the ones that are, they're they're very they're, they're they're just amazing it's amazing how much people would dress up to go to the movies and just you know they they would make an event out of it um kind of like these kids are with minions now i don't know what's going on yeah my son was gonna do that he was like I'm gonna dress up and go watch minions i'm like that's a thing yeah they're calling it they're calling them gentle minions of all things and uh I don't, I don't know if we should uh litigate this or what uh okay a couple more things uh the long night so this was my uh lady that i have some type of crush on that i can't figure out why i do you guys uh aware who uh scout taylor compton is uh the yes. young girl that was in halloween the original or not the original the uh original rob zombie one yes mm-hmm. uh i've seen her at conventions a few times and i've seen her in person a few times said hello she's very sweet she's very kind and uh i'm not gonna lie uh, she, she's very cute I, I really enjoy watching her on screen so Shudder had a film that come on you know Shudder exclusive again I'm on the couch right and it says the long night couple goes to remote you know no nothing new couple goes to a remote town in the south some cult like thing is going on this is not a great movie but it's not bad It's uh, it's got some pretty good violence in it and some good visuals uh, Deborah Cara Unger shows up, and so does Jeff Fahey. So, uh, you know, they get their $10,000 for their two hours of work uh, probably that day on the set. Um, but it, it, it's okay. Uh, I'd say if you're a Scott Taylor Compton fan, then yeah, check it out. If not, maybe you might want to hold off, unless you're just in the mood for kind of a, a little rompy horror film. It does have some... Uh, some very independent cinema slash music kind of beats that uh, I don't know if I liked them or if I loathed them. So I, I don't know. It's one of those things, right? Where like the music's good and the visuals are good, but I don't know if they belong together. Um, it felt kind of pretentious a little bit, but I don't know. Maybe I did like it more. Well, but last but not least, this is the film that I watched that I was afraid Josh would think I watched because he's coming on the show. <laughs> um, because he's been talking about it quite a bit. Our good friends over at the Not A uh, Bomb podcast, they've been talking about it. And a few other folks have been championing this film this year. 
And I think rightfully so. Uh, you know, one thing that really has never really completely caught on in the States is Bollywood uh, films, Tollywood films, or Indian film in general. East Asian. Is it East Asian? Is that what that is? What is that? South Asian. South, South Asian. Asian. Sorry, sorry. <clears throat> I don't know if I listen to if I come after me. Anyway, um, the, it, the genre is just, I mean, we've all kind of been aware of it, mostly in clip form. Um, but sometimes, you know, the films are intimidating. They're three hours long. Sometimes they're longer. And, you know, Josh has been on the show before and he gave us a couple. Will, if you remember, and they were great. We, but we love both of them. Uh, if I, if I recall, one of them was a kind of a thriller, I think. And the other one, uh, starred, uh, Josh's favorite actor, uh, Khan or Fon Khan. Is that his name? Is, am I right? Or am I wrong? Shower. Jesus Christ. I'm showing <laughs> It's my, a con though. You're, you're close. Yeah. 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 That's true. At least I had, <laughs> at least I, I was in the ballpark. <laughs> Anyway, um, so I checked out RRR, and if you haven't seen RRR, it's available on Netflix here in the States at this point. Uh, if you can see it in the theater, I would probably recommend you see it that way. I have a theater here at home, but um, I would recommend, you know, if if I could see if I could have seen this for the first time in theater here in, here where I am, it's not going to happen, okay? But I really wish I could have. Um, me and my son watched this. Um, it's... Um, it's unlike just about any film I've seen. I've, I've seen some pretty amazing films this year. I've seen Phil Tippett's Mad God, which is unlike anything I've pretty much seen this year. Uh, Gaspar Noe's Climax, which is just a weird experience that I'm still st struggling with because I don't know if I loved it, liked it, or maybe hated it. I don't know. I'm still uh, struggling with it. Um, uh, I've seen Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza, which I thought was wonderful, and then this film and and those are the four that kind of come to the cream of the, you know the ones that come rise to the top northman's probably in that conversation too and those films kind of rise to the top but even by saying that i don't think i've ever seen anything like rrr now i haven't seen enough of these films to judge but even if i had this one's gonna always hold a soft spot for me because uh my son and i watched it we had a wonderful time with it it was funny it was charming it was entertaining it was hyper violent it was crazy, wacky. There's a scene involving animals and a truck in here that has to be, I mean, it's not real animals, but it's still for an imagination, imagination purposes. It has to be seen to be believed. Uh, cause I, I knew something was going to come back up with the tiger. I did not anticipate what came back up with the tiger at all. Not even remotely close. Did I even think that was going to take place? Um, it has amazing fight sequences, amazing moments of uh, a brotherly connection, amazing. I mean, we were laughing. I was tearing up. I don't think I don't think uh, my son's quite there yet, but there were moments when I was getting really upset and stuff. And and, uh, and there are great moments of men flexing muscles. I mean, it's it's a GGTMC movie to the bone. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, now I just got to get Will to watch it so we can discuss it at some point and see what he thinks about it. But Josh had been kind of talking about this and doing some roundabouts and stuff, and he had been on Not Obama Troy and them and stuff, and I had listened to that. And I just finally I felt better, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to tackle this thing. I need something totally different. And I c it couldn't have hit the spot better, this film. And tell our lovely listeners – Oh, you saw it. What what service did you watch? Uh, Netflix know. on this one. Netflix, yeah. You know, I'm a I'm a huge physical media collector. It doesn't sound like it because I'm always throwing through streaming services. 
Um, but it's just sometimes I'll, you know, if I don't feel like getting off the couch, which is what mostly this past week has been for me, uh, streaming services it is, uh, because, you know, th- that archaic uh, put getting up and putting a disc in a tray, man, there's some, there's some physical activity there. Um, I still watch, I still prefer to watch films that way, but, um, you know, a lot of great stuff's available out there on these streaming services. And I think there's room for both. And, uh, I think Josh, you talked about this on not a bomb, but, uh, you know, Bollywood, Tollywood films, Indian films in general, they just don't really release physical media much anymore. Uh, no. Yeah. That's, uh, not for the last four or five years. Can you find really anything? Yeah. So they've kind of went the way almost completely of streaming or, uh, digital uh, sales, I would assume, and uh, that's pretty much the world they're they're living in right now, which is kind of a shame because uh, I think they're going to want. I think people are. I think these films would sell if people uh, had a chance to buy them. Um, I definitely, I definitely would buy RRR, no doubt, and uh, and 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 proudly uh, <laughs> watch that again. So it is an epic, epic movie. So will. I will wait with bated breath for you to check it out. Okay, yeah, I'm in, man. Yeah. In. That one and, uh, well, and Mad God and Climax and Licorice Pizza, which you haven't watched either. So many good ones that I am just <laughs> stuck spinning my wheels. I'll <laughs> well, buy a few episodes of a show. I mean, you know, you had to watch Mississippi Masala. I did. Well, I mean, please. well, you've never seen it, so, I mean, you know. I've never seen it. It just felt like, like I said, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm a Spike Lee completist. I got to see this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, back at the ranch, Spike had nothing to do with it. So it's amazing. Times, yeah. But yeah, definitely check it out when you get a chance. I mean, I, I have that same feeling. I'll watch people watch stuff, and I'm like, man, I'm, I've been meaning to watch that, and it just drives me crazy. But every now and then, I'll get on a good run. I'm on a pretty good one right now. So you, you certainly are. And yeah. I feel like a few years ago, that's how I was. And no, you kind of. Your wings, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, this yeah. Well, yeah, Landon's kind of doing his own thing a little bit. He, where we are rewatching Stranger Things together, or I'm watching Ooh, it for the first time. Great, yeah, he's putting me through that. And uh, you know, episodes four and five of the first season, I'm, 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 I'm at least bought in now, so I'm at least okay. I'm like, okay, well, I want to see what happens now. But I was still kind of struggling through that, and uh, and then I'm going to show him. I was going to show him Super Eight because I was like, well, if you like Stranger Things, you'll probably like Super Eight and. And if you like Super 8, I'll show you some other things. Uh, but then, for whatever reason, we watched RRR. So so a minute ago, when you said I was on a tear, and you said I certainly, you certainly are, you meant you certainly are RRR. R. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's I'm so glad he got you to break on Stranger Things. Him and I were talking. Yeah. yeah he's been he's been pounding me over the head with this thing. It's out of control. Oh, yeah. It's completely out of control around this house. Relentless. That's, that's yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he buys me coffee it. cups. He buys me shirts. I mean, <laughs> he, uh, I'm like, look, I didn't like the first episode. I watched the first episode twice. I still didn't like it. And then I watched the second episode, didn't like it. Third episode, I liked a little bit more. But episodes four and five, I was like, okay, okay, I'm in. I'm in now. Once you're about two seasons in, you're going to be all about the Hopper cosplay at Halloween with the Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Get Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. I'll be wearing uh, trucker hats with weird sayings on them and uh, be talking about the upside down everywhere I go. And everybody will be like, this guy's a fucking loser. All right. All right. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back and talk about It Comes from 2018. We'll be back right after this. She was part of the Air Force. I was part of the band. I always used the word. 
burst into a hand And my, my, my imagination I was living my best life Living my parents' way before The pain, penance and verbal penance My, my, my cancellation Welcome back. All right, so we're going to talk about 2018's It Comes, uh, also known as, what is that word? Kuru? Kuru? Yeah. Kuru. Kuru? Think, yeah. yeah. Uh, directed by Tetsuo Nakami- Nakashima. There we go. I didn't stumble too badly. Um, plot synopsis. One day, a visitor leaves Hideki a memo of his unborn daughter's name, Chisa. Two years later, Hideki's house is attacked by a sinister presence. To protect his family, Hideki asked for help to perform a ritual to break an unknown spell. I mean, that's kind of what it is, sort of. Kind of, somehow, also like oddly convoluted yet oddly accurate. Yeah, it, it's a. Yeah. It, but I, I don't know how you really synopsize this film. Yeah. Um. So Josh picked this. Uh. He obviously had seen it at some point. And uh, I'll let you, uh, if you want to, Josh, you want to give any kind of background on how you kind of came across this and and why you kind of brought it up and stuff. If you want to go ahead and do that, you can. Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been a big fan of, of Nakashima since since Kamikaze Girls back in the what, uh, mid-2000s. What was that, mm-hmm. 2006? Uh, and the last film that I had heard of uh, him directing was World of, of Kanako uh, in 2014, which was the first, I mean, it wasn't his first film to get U.S. distribution, but it was the first one to get, like, real proper distribution through Draft House Films. Yeah. Uh, because his first few came out at the time when just everything that was Japanese ended up on DVD over here. Mm-hmm. Like, everything. And so it wasn't that surprising at that point. But that really died down in the last 10 years. And when World of Kanako came out, um, it was cool to see him getting a little bit more uh, recognition over here because Confessions, his movie before that, actually didn't get released in the U.S. Right, but people had seen it uh, because it got released through Third Window in the U.K. Um, and then my first trip, I think it was my first trip to Fantasia in, in twenty. No, it was my second trip to Fantasia in twenty nineteen uh, in Montreal. 
they announced they were going to be showing this. And like you, I didn't even know that he had made another movie mm-hmm. uh, after mm-hmm. World of Kanako. Uh, and so that was all it took. I got there, like all of my my uh, other friends that were at the festival, we all just kind of sat down not knowing what we were in for. And every single person walked out of that screening just w- running for the nearest friendly face to say, what the fuck was that? We just saw the most amazing thing. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. yeah. What happened is another good thing. <laughs> yeah. What what just happened? <laughs> what just happened? And oh, my God, I want to show that to everybody. Um, yeah. And then it just kind of fell into a hole. Uh, it played... I think one or two other festivals in the U.S. after that in the next uh, couple of years, but no one ever picked it up. Um, the The thought is, or at least my thought, and that those of the people that I've spoken to about this film, because everyone I've talked to says, "Why can't we watch this again?" Uh, is that uh, Japanese films have just become excessively expensive to license, hmm. and so the the asking price is probably too high for anybody to to come up with the money. Wow. Uh, on, on a risk like this, on an, an unusual film uh, like this one. Right. Uh, but it's it's just, I love it. I love it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, unusual is a good word. Um, and I can see, uh, I, I, I do, I don't know, I, I regret that uh, we don't have more physical media companies taking chances on films anymore. It seems like that's, you know, I mean, well, we have some, right? I mean, for mm-hmm. Christ's sake, there's some, these labels that are putting out stuff like red surf, like a George Clooney movie that I don't know if anybody should even see it, but I mean, at, at the same time though, I mean, I appreciate that stuff. And I did say earlier, you know, you're getting transfers in 4k, but I wonder sometimes with some of these movies, you know, is anybody looking outside of, of anything else other than just, you know, quick hits and maybe a chance to just sell. And again, I'm part of the problem cause I buy them, but you know, a quick chance to sell four or 5,000 copies of, of a film. Uh, and then, you know, you got a director like him, like Nakashima, who makes these totally unique films. Confessions I loved, uh, maybe even more than Kanako. And I loved Kanako. I loved Kamikaze Girls when we did that. Um, we'll see what I say about this one. But, Will, you are the one that ponied up and, and are brave enough to to explain this film. And I'll give you my wild theory as we're talking, but... I want to see if you've come upon any of these theories yourself as well and what you thought of It Comes. Sure. Uh, I just want to lament <clears throat> the lack of availability for this film and other films of its kind. Just to kind of piggyback on what Josh said before I get into it, whether I think this is a success or failure, um, it's uh, at the very least a fascinating attempt um at the very least and and you know it's it's you know he swings for the fences as as he does right and i just think it's um in this day and age to have a film by in film circles an internationally renowned filmmaker who's got a pretty good batting average is is Mm mind-boggling you know again i get you know the, the the financial side of it but uh, as as a lover of the medium, I just I kind of lament. I kind of I do lament it. But um, I think yeah, you know I think Confessions probably didn't. I mean, it didn't get much of a release here. But it, like, but wasn't Confessions nominated for Best Foreign Film? Or it was like Japan's entry that year. It might have been Japan's entry. I, I feel recall. like it got a lot of crossover buzz, if memory yeah, serves. I think, but but didn't it? It didn't. It had schools and violence, right? So which yeah. 
might, yeah, of course. You know, Which, unfortunately, in this country, we don't need movies for that. Um, but <laughs> not to get political, but it's true. And uh, I wonder if that may have hurt it in some ways. I think ways. it definitely would have um, yeah. left people a little bit uh, shy to... To go see something like that, yeah. Which is a shame because, I mean, the film is deeper than just that principle. Absolutely. But, um, you know, again, you're selling to a mass audience who, you know, wants to see dinosaurs. So, I mean, you know, again, nothing wrong with that. I went and saw dinosaurs. But the it, it can be a hard sell. It can be a hard sell, and Kanako, of course, is it, it. It got a little bit of a push, but it's it's unlike a lot of films you'll see too. And uh, you know, I I think you know he he's uh, maybe a bit too heady for American audiences in some ways, and I I think that's sad. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on with his films. Um, certainly, uh, I think Confessions. Looking back, and, and not to dance around it comes too much but yeah i think that there's a lot going on with his films and he's not afraid to stuff a lot of ideas into his films um and then give us some confessions is probably as neat and tidy a film as he has from the ones i've seen mm. to, to a few of his films but um yeah i mean the last time we'd seen him he blew blew our wigs back with kanako which as i said elevator pitch is like uh, schrader's hardcore with a much blacker heart <laughs> and a little more you know <laughs> colorful uh yeah. visually yeah uh, you know we walk out pretty bruised uh interestingly this film opens up and i can't help but think that nakashima is paying homage a little bit well it looks like a nine inch nails video <laughs> with the early editing and like the uh um like the the title sequence yeah um, which it feels and and i think like that whole 90s aesthetic at times that it um it has. It does feel like a like a Hideo Nakata film a little bit, like in it in, in the early going. Yeah, which yeah. I have to think. Is, I have to good. ask you guys. I mean, did did quality of this film notwithstanding, I know Josh has seen it multiple times now. Uh, Will and this is your first time and my first time. Were you at all turned off by the kind of? I mean, I know you like colorful stuff more than I do. Were you at all turned off by the kind of? I mean, this film is really. The visuals are, it's very blown out. I'll tell you why I'm not. Okay. Okay. I think it was intentionally heavy handed early on mm -hmm. visually. A lot of pinks, blues, purples. Um, well, the whitest of whites. I mean, the, whitest, the level of artifice is through the roof. But here's what I think we have to give, in my opinion, Nakashima the, the benefit of the doubt, because to me, and we should say one of the Nakashima has big balls because he's not afraid to change his narrative or his perspective or his focus and, and shift that as the film goes on. Like for someone to shift narrative focus several times in a film, as well as play with supernatural realms, uh, is testament to his ability to tap dance as a director, to weave through stuff. Like, so to me, the, the early stuff to answer your question especially now in hindsight, after we get a sort of a shift in narrative, to me is genius mm. because the first portion of the film focuses on um, our, our male lead Hideki. Yes. And the, he frames his life in such a way that he's sort of Instagram. It's just this Instagram worthy picture, perfect life. The lighting is perfect. And, you know, we all know people like that. You know, we can all be guilty of it at times. 
So I think that level of artifice um, and very intentional, uh, aesthetically pleasing uh, sort of visual look was was sort of a, a commentary on Hideki's character and and, and our culture. Yeah, uh, living with that, you know, within that that frame of Instagram and social media and looking for praise in the picture perfect life. I got to say, when I started watching the film, I was really kind of thrown off by how just kind of fluorescent and kind of bright the movie was. I don't know why, because I caught on to the same kind of themes you're talking about, and I kind of saw what was going on there. And it pays off. Like, he holds the uh, the aesthetic to the very end. It's not like it... Uh, I mean, it, it gets a little darker, but it's still... I mean, uh, there's a lot of blood in this film, and the, even the blood is kind of a fluorescent, kind of different look than you're used to. It almost looks like Kool-Aid uh, or something like that. And I, I was really, like I said, in the first 10, 15 minutes, I was really thrown off. And then I started to pick up on what he was doing. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, I, I can get behind it and stuff. But at first, I was just like, wow, what did... I mean, there were many moments watching this film where I'm like, wow, what is? what are we doing? What What is he doing here? What What are we... What are we trying to do? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know if you guys had that same feeling, but I mean, I, for me, I was. I was having moments like that, and, th- and not in a bad way. These were all good questions, but I was having moments where I was just like, "What? Is, what exactly is he trying to comment on here? What exactly? I think it's going to go one way, and then he throws a curveball, and uh, then he brings a strong woman back into the film, which he's kind of known for strong women characters, right? So that wasn't too much of a surprise. And then some of the things that happens with Hideki and and some of the other things that transpire, I was just like lost for a little bit. But then it all kind of gelled together, kind of slowly. And once it did, it it, it all kind of made sense. But I was just wondering if either one of you all just, you know, if it was visuals or anything that was just kind of throwing you off at first with the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like you said, it's it's all very intentional to set the scene and to explain who the characters are through those visuals. Uh, you know, the the Instagram filter uh, comparison was was pretty accurate. Although this guy's, you know, still writing a blog in 2018, so <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's this really truth. It would have been Instagram, just post, 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 right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Still, like TikTok a, still, or, a, you know. still a few guys hanging on to the to the old ways. He's in his live journal. Still, you know, not to say anything about behind the scenes, there's still a few dudes using Skype, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Dinosaurs uh, in the north and south, but, um, yeah. No, but, you know, you have to, I think at that point, even the acting there, it was very sort of willfully on the nose and over overdone, but I have to think with someone like Nakashima, I'm willing to put myself in his fans and trust that, okay, it's going somewhere with intent and purpose, right? So Yeah, so that's that's the thing, right? I mean, here I am, I'm in the hands of a master director, so I know that I'm being massaged or conditioned in some way for something. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't quite ready for it. I was kind of really just threw me off how just kind of bright and kind of effervescent the film is. It's very... It's very bubbly. It's got this. There's this kind of ominous kind of thing in here, and there's a little bit of a story of a legend of a. Uh, I can't remember the name of the the legend. It starts with a B. Um, shit, I, I didn't write it down. But anyway, there's this legend about this monster and things like this. And, and I think, okay, now it's gonna the film's gonna start to get darker, and you get some night shots and stuff. But even then, they're very gorgeous and they're very well lit. So I'm like, well, he's he's gonna keep this thing well lit. He's not gonna keep things in the shadows here. What he's doing is he is kind of showing us that kind of artifice and that stuff you're talking about 
and this will kind of lead to my theory here in a little bit. So I'm, I'm kind of setting myself up to kind of drop this, what could be an embarrassing bomb on myself and you guys here in a few minutes on what I'm, I'm having some theories here. So it's okay. That's safe. <laughs> but so I knew where, like, I knew where he was going, but when he starts to shift gears a bit and we get that scene at the hospital with the coworker, he very smoothly pivots to, we get this, this sense. It, it just feels off kilter. It's dark. The sense of dread, this underlying dread at the hospital. It, it just pivots very quickly from <clears throat> the kind of Instagrammy stuff. And even then there's that scene, which is, is it really the way he lays it out. Um, it's perfectly framed, sunny life, and then just outside the frame, when the camera pulls pulls back, nope, we see squalor, we see just a completely different life. Inside the frame, it's perfect. His daughter is, you know, sunny, and it's just everything's great and perfect. But just beyond that, it's just a mess, and there's neglect, and it just really uh, punctuates one of the not not the only certainly, but one of the messages because this is bit of a trojan horse right it, it it's not um yeah it, it's a family drama and commentary on society and the family dynamic under the framework of a supernatural horror film yeah yes and there's there's there's, there's a there's a twist a twist <laughs> definitely a twist uh, i definitely thought it was going one way and uh then come to find out it was it was kind of setting me up for a whole other thing which I really, really was, it was really nice. Yeah. Um, and really kind of frustrating, you know, as a parent, it brought out some anger in me. Yeah. Um, which it, it was intended to do. Um, and it also brought out anger in the Hideki character, which at first I think I, uh, he's smart enough to sell me the bill of goods on Hideki. Like his motives seem pure mm-hmm. and then we start to get things kind of opening up and our eyes begin to open and it's a really nice touch to uh kind of deepen the story about midway through and kind of open from another perspective yeah i gotta say this i gotta get it out of my, I, i've been thinking about this ever let me let me just say this yeah drop it man. do either one of you guys think that the it comes do you think that it has anything to do with the word the letters it and the fact that we got blogs, phones, televisions. Do we think in any way Nakashima is telling us that technology is the demon that's ever around us right now? Do we think... Am I the only one that thinks this? <laughs> I think it's an interesting... I think it's sort of a sidebar commentary. It's it's a weird right. thing. Every time I was watching the film, I'd see it in IT in capital letters. And I'm like, why is that always capitalized? Now, of course, it's a demon, but it almost felt like like I'm being like pounded over the head with this IT, IT, and of course, IT might not mean even remotely the same thing in Japan. It, it, it's just totally me being a, a novice, idiotic American here. But I kept thinking to myself, well, phones are very important, blogs are important. The TV is important. People's perception of things are important. It just seemed like he was trying. And again, it's a it's a hell of a reach by me. It's a hell of a reach. I don't think it's that much of a reach because it, I think it very obviously shows how. I'll, I'll tell you just to piggyback on your thought. 
I wise well, thing is more like the family thing, but the, just how pervasive technology is in our lives. Because there's moments in this film when, like I said, I got it early on, like a, a Hideo Nakata vibe. Later on, I'm thinking of Pulse a little bit, mm. right? Like the mm -hmm. Kurosawa jam. So, I mean, to, to, to say that technology uh, and how pervasive it is and insidious, it becomes in everything we do and how it colors our relationships with even the people that we love the most. Right. Uh, well, it can, right? I mean, it's like it's like drinking alcohol or... Uh, smoking weed or doing coke off of strippers' butts or anything like—I mean, these are things we all do on the weekends, all three of us. But you know, we're we're not normal people. You know, we're we're you know movie lovers. This is what movie lovers do. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm roping you guys into my my bad dreams. But the no, the truth is, you know, I mean, anything can be a vice, right? Too much video games, too much computer work, too much—I uh, don't know—physical activity, too much basketball, too much whatever. We can all put the things that may be more important aside to follow that thing. And, but I think technology brings all that to us in some weird yeah, it's way. A tool, sure. it's, uh, it's, it facilitates yeah. the yeah. distance between people. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I, and I almost felt like he was only because, and the only reason why I bring this up is just because the prevalence of screens in the movie. Screens are very important in this movie. Uh, yeah. there's, there's ghost phone calls. There's uh, ghost images on televisions. Um, people are very angry at televisions and phones in this movie. If you look at it throughout, there's a lot of anger toward technology. Obviously, they're getting phone calls from demons. You'd probably be upset too. But I just feel like it, I'm, I'm not saying he's saying it's bad. I'm just saying he's saying it's ever pervasive. It's ever in our faces now. And it's come to dominate maybe what we think of ourselves and in Hideki's case it's like pure poison right well, like, I, yeah I think it's it's like his I, intentions may have been pure in the beginning but he becomes this guy who he, he, he early on he says he's going to be the perfect dad sure. so he knows psychologically that he's going to do everything he possibly can but what he probably doesn't understand is he wants everybody to think he's the perfect dad but he he's not the perfect dad what it takes yeah so yeah. and technology helps him right be the perfect dad because again you know it's the images we see it's the post we see and everything else we can make ourselves out to be anything right but i just thought that was kind of fascinating and i'm sitting there watching this film and i'm thinking to myself well he's not beating me over the head with it clearly there's some japanese ghost story or uh, legend stuff going on here too and it's it's an epic film in scope uh, in my opinion, it is. I mean, I don't think you've ever... I, I can't think of a film off the top of my head that has an exorcism quite like this one. Uh, if you guys can name any, let it's me know. Quite <laughs> it's It's pageantry. As <laughs> any. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, they even lay white rocks down and create a path, yeah. and they, they got everything going on. But um, I think that he's just saying that, you know, these demons and these ghosts are always around us, and we may have kind of put these things in the background because that's the way the, the new world is but these things are always there and again maybe technology is the way these these ghosts these demons these bad vices we have as human beings maybe it's the way it works itself back in to kind of ill decisions we make as parents because i think this is very much i don't know if he has children or not but this certainly feels like a movie made by somebody who either knows somebody who's gone through some kind of trauma with a child or perhaps 
struggles being a parent? Well, let's take a look at the through line in his films. It Comes deals with family and children. Kanako deals with a disconnected relationship with a father and daughter. Confessions, children, yeah. parents, adults, the disconnect. Kamikaze Girls, there's very much a relationship between young young women and their parents are involved in the grandparents, if memory serves. So there's a consistent through line with his films yeah. to look at that, right? Right. Yeah, I didn't. And I probably mean, my, my favorite, my favorite film of his is Memories of Matsuko, which also didn't get a release out here, but it it does a very similar thing where you've got uh, someone's aunt who dies, and nobody knew knew anything or had heard uh, of this aunt for years and years and years, and they go to her apartment to try and you know clean it up and find out all these things that she th- these lives that she lived over the last fifty years, or whatever. So it's another sort of lost family connection there. Uh, in that film as well. So yeah, it is definitely a through line. Interesting. I gotta see that. I've always meant to see that. Man, I gotta see that. And I'm sure it's probably streaming nowhere. Nope. Uh, not a place. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Probably not. I'm looking and I'm not seeing anything right now. That's really sad. Um, but yeah, it's not a, a, a wild thing, right? I, I think, I'm trying to think of how to, how to articulate this. The bigger commentary is on the disconnect with families and, and lamenting sort of the tragedy of intentions and how they, they and just humans sometimes fail their children and, and the family dynamic, it just it falls apart and the children suffer and so forth. But Right. But I, I don't know if everybody goes into it thinking I'm going to, I'm going to F this up. I'm going to fuck this up as bad as I possibly can. Now I'm sure that there's some, I, pa- I'm sure we all, yeah, I'm sure we all know somebody, right, who clearly should have never had children. Of course, of course. But But I think all of us go into every, or at least I think most of the guys I know or most the friends of mine that I have, we want what's best and we try to do what's best. But even we slip up and we sometimes, yeah, make mistakes that maybe benefit us more. I think the key is that you question that, you know. As a human being, you stop and say, "Ooh, wait a minute, is this about me, or is this about my kids?" <laughs> you know, those yeah. moments if we're being honest with ourselves, right? Yeah, and it's imp- yeah. For our growth, not to turn this into like therapy or whatever, but all of us are parents, and all of us are children. Two parents, obviously. Uh, that reflection is is how we grow, right? And we always give pause, but yeah, inevitably, despite all the reflecting and and, tr- and trying to be better, their lives are changing and ours are changing, and it's just an ever evolving uh, dynamic, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Constant, you're just perpetually trying to do better if you can. Yeah, right? I mean, I think all that's here, right? I mean, because you got the sisters, <laughs> which you yes. haven't got to that aspect of the story yet, so I'll just kind of wait until you talk about it. I haven't even. Yeah, so there's just a lot to chew on with this. So, yeah, the domestic woes we spoke about, right? Um, the helplessness, you know, with problems as a parent, technology, isolating mental illness. Um, there's a great, just from a genre perspective, there is a pulse-pounding moment with a phone. And we're looking at, I don't want to spoil it, but we're on the phone with the character. And we're being led down a path with them, only for that to be turned on its head when something is revealed to not be what we or they think it is. Mm. And then it's, oh, shit. And uh, it's just a really, really good 
uh, scene for just in terms of the way it's executed. You know, the one in the apartment with the the teak or the the bowls and and all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Man, when when the phone and then the other phone rings, I'm like, <gasps> my heart started pounding. Like it literally started pounding harder. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That moment, and then also I had the moment of I've actually slipped and tripped over a bowl of water before, and I know his pain. That that hurts. You slip and fall suddenly like that over a slick spot. Yeah, oh, man. I'll scream out too, and then I get very angry. It's uh, sorry, I'm trying to decipher one of my notes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on. Uh, but I, man, there's just there's so much to talk about and chew on with this. So forgive me if I jump through stuff. I guess that's where you guys can fill in some gaps if you see fit. But I just, I'm really. Uh, let me close the doors. <laughs> some old chatter. We got some uh, uh, some background character interaction going on. It's like an Altman film. That's right. It's very Altman-y. Altman-esque. Yeah. There it goes. A mixer cup with no protein in it, thankfully. Um, but the way he is able to weave seamlessly between narratives, like focal points, and the spiritual realm in this and metaphor in less capable hands. Um, this could be just an absolute mess of a film. Hmm. Right. And, and Nakashima is so, so good at what he does that he kind of keeps all the balls in the air and the, he keeps, and more importantly, from a genre perspective, he keeps the screws turning. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is pretty great. Right. Um, the film touches on generational trauma, guilt tied to parenthood, which we touched on already. Identity, how our identity uh, is woven into our children, woven into our roles as as parents. Um, how we have distinct uh, identities as, as as just individuals, uh, separate from that. Um, let me ask you guys this, and I, I think I, I think I asked this prematurely in my notes. Do you guys feel that Nakashima is a misanthrope? I don't think he is. <sighs> I, I don't think so. I mean, I, th- I think it's it's more apparent in his earlier work than his later work. As he's evolved, his stuff has seemed a bit more misanthropic. I mean... Uh... Yeah, I don't think he's a misanthrope. I think, I think he's opinionated. I think yeah. he definitely has his criticisms of the human race. Yes. But yeah, I wouldn't say he's a misanthrope, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't I, think he's a misanthrope. I mean, oh, the film, the film, the film. Just to, to jump ahead, does end in sort of a, a pretty positive place, considering all that's happened. Yeah. So. yeah oh yeah. boy, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, it absolutely does. But I guess you look at someone like Noé, and it's almost like that thing where humanity can really walk a precarious emotional tightrope, and one step off the the tightrope, and it results in sort of profound tragedy. Right. Or it can. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I, I think about that when you make that comment. And I think sometimes, you know, young filmmakers, you know, when he's younger, maybe there's a bis, bit more of the misanthrope there. Uh, yeah. It's kind well, of a young man's game a little bit. The misanthrope. It's almost the opposite, though, Sammy. Not to not to interrupt. Really? But, yeah. Like, that's the weird thing. that I, He's gotten darker. I don't know. I mean, well, maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I guess Kanako, I guess you could say that. But. Yeah, yeah, because Kamikaze Girls is kind of, it's, it's interesting the way it kind of plays out. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, an exercise in style and other things too, but it just feels like he's gotten a little darker, more peeling back 
the layers of the onion, right? Probably more uh, me bringing it in. I mean, I think I've got. I think I know I've softened as I've gotten older. Have I think? Yeah. Did you see, yeah. Josh? Yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah certainly, I'm, certainly around the middle. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I know I have. I mean, I used to be very much a black and white person, which is, you know, I hate this. I love this. And, uh, you know, I've, I've learned to adapt and, and realize that there's nothing wrong with liking or disagreeing. You can still be friendly with people that you disagree with. Yes. Um, it, it, you know, your life is more fuller that way. I, I know that now. But I, I didn't know that in my twenties. I didn't. <laughs> We're self righteous in our twenties, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah. In, in my twenties, I you know I had I, I suffered no fools. No, <laughs> it's 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 funny how you think you know the 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 idea is that we get wiser as we go get older, and what really happens is as you get older, you just keep realizing all the shit you don't know. That's yeah. right. <laughs> you, you thought you knew everything when you were 25. Yes. And the older you get, you realize there's a whole bunch of shit that I'm never going to know and that I don't know now. Yeah. Yeah. Humbled that, by what I don't know. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No more a truer statement has been said maybe on this podcast <laughs> than that statement because, I mean, that is what, I mean, as as I've grown, that is definitely what I have seen, which is, wow, I really thought I had that figured out. And uh, you know what? I did I don't have anything figured out. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm just going to figure this out as I go. That's, that's the way, mm-hmm. that's the way it should be. And it, it really has, you know, dialed me back and humbled me and, and made me appreciate little things like, you know, talking to a couple guys on a, a podcast about a Japanese film from 2018. I mean, these are moments now that mean a lot more to me than they would have 20 years ago. Yeah. So, sorry, got a little personal there, but no, no, but that's true. The intersection of, um, being aware of the moment and being present in the moment. I think it's a valid question though. I mean, because I, the, the misanthrope question about Nakashima, I think it's a valid question though, because I, like I said, I definitely think he's opinionated. He's definitely making comments and giving you angles, but I think he's also giving you the reverse. Like, I think it's, it's true mature filmmaking. I think he's giving you both sides of the coin. Well, yeah, because he gives us people that are rotten to the core and inevitably just can't help but just shit and piss on everything. Mm -hmm. But he also gives us, yeah, the other side of things that in spite of all that, there is a a shred of humanity in the face of everything that at times seems insurmountable. But um, just a couple more notes, then I'm going to let you guys go because I've been rambling for a while. So I just, the Christmas setting works well in a number of ways, but the one way that because this focuses a lot on the family unit i just i love that there's a a very pivotal scene at christmas because let's face it that's the most celebrated regardless of faith just in terms of uh you know what's known of it like how we as a human the human race essentially traditional traditional value western Western sensibilities it's the most celebrated childbirth of all and this film focuses a lot on Mm. childbirth and child rearing Mm -hmm. so it's kind of a a funny moment and then the the lighting for the film uh it subtly shifts from a lot of uh stylish stuff to really this incredible kind of warm natural light for a bit with the opening of that scene um with all the uh the monks before it really gets whipped up pretty feverishly. Yeah. We've seen some feverish films, but I mean, this gets, I mean, this really whips up and frothy, <laughs> fucking bonkers. And I, kudos to, to, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I'm just thinking to myself, I mean, I could talk about this in my notes too, but I, I'll just go ahead and talk about it now. 
I don't know. Again, this has been a year for me where I've seen a lot of things. It feels like for the first times. I don't know that I've seen. Um, well, I know for a fact I've never seen this epic of an exorcism ever, ever. No. I know mm-hmm. that for a fact. But the imagination it takes to kind of come up with this apartment slash closing down streets slash ancient Japanese exorcism is off the charts. Like, I, I don't even know where to begin to describe the last 10, 15 minutes of this movie other you than you have to see it. You know, what's funny is uh, right after we, I saw this at Fantasia, like I said, every time I ran into somebody, I was, uh, I would, I would ask if they'd seen it. Cause it was the only time it was the only screening at the festival of the film it was just a single screening. Um, and I ran into one of my very close programmer friends, a pretty, pretty well known in the, the genre film, you know, festival programming world or whatever. And I was like, Hey man, I mean, I assume you saw this before I did, but did you, what did you think of it? <laughs> and his reaction was, eh, it kind of peters out at the end. It's like, the fuck movie did you watch? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, uh, I definitely feel like, you know, if anything, it's like, okay, we have this strong disconnect where it, it's like, okay, now I'm going to push the accelerator to the floor. Yeah. And see what, see what you think about this, this idea that I have. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I, I don't, like I said, I, I asked you guys and I know there's just nothing quite like it. I mean, it, it is a little heavily reliant upon CG, but I mean, I think that the way the blood flow and some of that stuff is set up as kind of this living entity, I think mm-hmm. it works for the dynamic. And again, it the, the blood almost looks like punch. It, it, it's got this kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, almost like a fluorescent feel, like a day goal type of feel to it. And, uh, it's just, it's just totally unique. It's totally, I, I just, I, I, I'm going to walk away from this film forever and always and never forget the finale of this movie. This is going to be one of those finales. that's going to stick with me forever. Yeah. Yeah. And the last note I, I was going to say was, I just, we've been talking a lot about Nakashima, but the cast are, are pretty wonderful. And mm-hmm. I think that when you see the trust and commitment that the actors and actresses or the actors, however, whatever you want to say, uh, give him and that that he gets from them. I applaud that because they take some some they get real. They really put their trust in him because some of the stuff is I mean just so far out and so wild that they it, it is reflective of the kind of relationship he has with them as a filmmaker and actor. So yeah, those are all my notes. Yeah, I, I had these moments when I was watching the film and I was thinking to myself. How is he explaining to these actors what is taking place? <laughs> because I'm having a hard time figuring out. So what is he telling them that, you know, this is what you're seeing. This is what you're feeling. And, uh, I mean, it, it does. I will say this, though. If you hang in there and watch the whole film, it does make more sense. Although I do think I, I still struggled with some of it. Um, mostly the the lore of the of, of the ghost uh, and some of that stuff, which I was going to read some of that stuff. And I was like, no, I'm just going to go into the podcast and talk about it and kind of give an interpretation. But it's, it's got me kind of fascinated about these, you know, mountain ghosts or things like that, or whatever's going on, childhood trauma. Uh, obviously yeah. there's, you know, there's a great line in here about how, uh, 
kids are fascinated with death or something like that. Uh, I can't remember what exactly is said, but I remember there's two young children sitting above like an older uh, grandparent or something passing away. And it is true. Kids, when they, 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 they get around death and they see death and things like that, you do have that moment. Probably you both had it in your young life too, or we kind of become fascinated with it for a little while. Right. Yep. It's kind of that moment where we realize our mortality. Well, and yeah, they, that moment that you're talking about too, it's, it's really interesting because it, it does kind of explain both through those, that dialogue and also through the visuals there that you're really never closer to, I I won't call it death, but never closer to not being alive than when you are very young or when you are very old. Like those are two, Mm. two, two places that are very far apart for, for us as we're living our lives right now. Right. But in terms of their relationship to the opposite of life, they're, real close and Mm -hmm. so that might be part of it you know yeah 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 that's a good point that's a good point because you know elderly and child uh, children are they're very similar in some ways Mm -hmm. uh not just in the like the bad joke kind of way but you know like using the bathroom in their pants but the the sense that some you know life is your your life the life you're supposed to lead is kind of like in between these two points in your life yeah and it, it seems like you know kids sometimes are kind of people kind of you know that are living their life are kind of like oh well they're just being kids they'll grow up one day and then and then they're older and they're like oh well you know they're older people you know they and it's almost like you're two sides of society that we kind of you know uh, you don't pay attention to them they're that's the old people or the young people they don't know what they're talking about but that's where all the imagination and the dreams and the beliefs come from really is from older people and younger people and then we just kind of push it all in the background i, I don't know it, it, this is a very deep film uh, that's what i came away from watching it it's a lot deeper than i thought i thought it was just going to be a bonkers horror film and uh it's a lot deeper than that i think it's really him kind of questioning maybe you know as he's gotten older as well because he's about 10 years 10 or 15 years older than me uh, i know i've as i've gotten older i've questioned uh you know things that are going to happen in the next 10 15 to 20 years of my life because you know I'll be pretty old by then, so you know where 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 does my life go from there? So I, I feel like that that this is a mature man making a film about family life and the ghosts and demons that we sometimes try to tuck away or hide from, certainly. But Josh, I don't I don't want to step on any toes. If there's anything you want to say, I'll let you go ahead and go first if you want to. Uh, yeah. So. I've seen this now. This is my third time watching it, and I still don't have a complete handle on it. So you're not alone there. Okay. Um, Good. <laughs> but, but one thing that I really do appreciate about it, and the thing that really uh, made me sit up and take notice that very first time when I watched it, is just the the way the story is told, like the the masterful masterful sort of structure of the film, and the uh, the way that Nakashima's leads you through the story and you trust him no matter what banana shit is happening uh on screen uh and every time that happens and you you're not quite sure why you're paying attention to this crazy shit it pays off um you know being led through i think we 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 mentioned i think in passing at at one point uh there are sequences where uh hideki the the husband is you know, coming home to his his wife and child, and the house is in a, is in disarray. And it's uh, at first, sort of spoilerish moment here, but at first, it it appears that 
you know, the demon has come to the house and wrecked the house and the, the mother and child are sort of, you know, shivering in the corner in fear. And later on, we find out that's not exactly the case. Um, it's, it's, you know, each of these people leading their own separate lives. Uh, Hideki leading his life where he's trying to, you know, portray this perfect image of, of, you know, the perfect father who takes care of his daughter. And that's all that he wants to do. And he takes his wife for granted and his wife starts to lose it because she's trapped in the house, you know, doing things for the household uh, with no consideration from her husband. And the daughter's just kind of stuck in the middle. Uh, Chisa's just stuck in the middle. Uh, too young to know what's going on, but old enough to be scared shitless because things are going crazy in their house. Mm. Um, uh, which, you know, I, I thought was, was very interesting. And the way that they set that, that up for a reveal later on in the film, I thought was really brilliant. Um, another thing sort of spoilerish, uh, about the film is that it does kind of take the psycho route. Um, you know, Hideki is our, is our lead character for the first hour of the film. And then no more Hideki. I was really bowled over by that. Yeah. I just, there's so many moments in this film where I, I, listen, being 42 and having seen as many films as we have and and enough of his films, uh, he just kept kind of like magic trick, like look over at this end and then we male whammo. I don't know. I said mean whale. Meanwhile, (laughs) the other hand gets you and it's like, whoa, what, what, what just happened? I just totally fell for this again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's when it works and you don't see it coming, but you also should have completely seen it coming. Yes. It, It makes total sense. That's that's when you know you're in the hands of someone that you're just willing to be, you know, just just show me what you want to show me because I know it's going to be good no matter what happens from here on out. And, uh, you know, that that turn right around the halfway point uh, where it becomes not a different movie. It's the same movie, but it's with, you know, new protagonists or, you know, supporting characters sort of pushed into the protagonist role. Um, And then we do get a whole new protagonist at the very end of the film. Uh, I just I, I I love the way that he's able to tell this this one continuous story that is essentially nominally about this girl this this little girl who's what like three years old mm-hmm. yeah uh, who is a victim at all points she's she's the victim of her father's vanity her her mother's insecurity her you know her uh, and and because of those two conflicting sources, she sort of in, accidentally invites this demon in to play, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what ends up happening. That's what ends up getting everything all fucked up is, you know, these two people are trying really hard to make their own lives uh, uh, fulfilling in a way that's acceptable to them. So, supposed to be about their child, but their child is, is left out of the whole process. Um, and eventually it it costs everybody, you know? Um, I, like I said, there's, there's a lot going on here. Uh, I visually, it's a, a really stunning film. I think that at the very end, uh, Sam was talking about the, the, the personification or, uh, of the demon at the end. Cause another kind of spoiler, you don't ever see a ghost. Like there is no ghost in this movie that shows up. There's not like a picture in a mirror or anything like that. There's no like creature thing. Uh, it's all sort of implied, but it's personified through this sort of 
goo at the end. Yeah. That's just, I thought it was really cool to look at, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, the, the exorcism where they finally try to, uh, take the whole thing down. I thought it was interesting. It's kind of like they, they, they grabbed everyone, you know, they, they show, um, the lead exorcist flying in all of these professionals from all over the country. And, uh, it's not just Japanese mystics. There are also like Korean ones as well. Um, in fact, at the very, the very end, the main, the main exorcists are all, uh, at least the, the characters on the flags are, are in Korean. It's uh, funny you said that, man. I, it's going to sound so weird, but I, I got like a Korean vibe, but I stumbled into thinking that. But yeah, so it's funny you said that. But it's that. I mean, the, they have the uh, the sort of uh, guardians of the apartment complex where they have these dudes posted at, at north, south, east and west, like to keep people out or to keep the spirit in. I can't really tell which 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 way it's going there. But uh, yeah, there's just, there's just so much going on, and I, I like I said, I don't understand all of it. Um, but what I do understand is that I was riveted to the screen, trying to figure out what was going on, and in the end, just kind of realized that once we get to, uh, so one of the things that ends up happening is they call in a writer and his girlfriend to help out uh, who then end up becoming the, the main characters of the film about two thirds of the way through. Yeah. Uh, and the writer's girlfriend is like a babysitter slash psychic, but her sister's a bigger psychic. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Stuff, uh, you, you just have to kind of roll with. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. She just kind of shows up at the end and ends up being the big, the big, the big boss, you know. Um, but there's the the final shot of the the exorcism, uh, which, like you said, is probably about ten or fifteen minutes of you know rhythmic banging and chanting and monst- you know monster goo and all that kind of stuff going on, is just like this giant expulsion of evil. It's like the building vomits blood, which I thought was like one of the coolest things I've seen. I've never seen an exorcism where an entire building vomits blood. Yeah. Yes. That's epic. <laughs> but yeah, it was just, it was so wonderful to see. And then, like I said, at the very end, it, it, it is these, these two people, the, the, the writer and his girlfriend who end up, I don't know that they're the heroes or if there really are heroes of the movie at all, but they're the ones who get the happy ending, you know, uh, which it's, it's just so fascinating to watch how he plays through these, what are essentially, you know, five characters in this film or four, four characters, really the, the husband, wife, and then these other two who are there for most of the story and passes the story back and forth between them very seamlessly. Uh, I, I just think it's, it's a wonderfully told story. Even if I don't get all of it, I'm there for all of it, you know? Yep. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's what I came with. I mean, I, I remember thinking while I'm watching, I'm like, man, I hope I don't, you know, my wacky theory about that one idea, but also I was like, man, did, did I really understand what happened? And I, you know, I, I, I think I did. There's a couple of surprise moments. I mean, not just the Hideki character, but also the, the uh the mother and what she and, and kind of how she transpires and how she changes and how she 
kind of decides at one point to kind of go almost the route of her mother, it seems like, and then kind of come back around and, and think about it and stuff. And, you know, some of them awkward moments, if you've ever, if for any of those listeners out there who have children, if you've ever had to go to a school because your kid maybe hit some other kid or bit another kid or, or threw Mm -hmm. a shoe at another kid, it's, it's, it's a very awkward moment. (laughs) <laughs> to say the least for a for a parent because it's like well, look in there yeah i mean shit happens i mean it you know you, these are lessons in life and you, you hope you go through life and never say well i'm sorry my daughter poked your son in the eye with a, a hockey stick but it you know it, it it happens i don't i guess you know but i like the little laugh she gives like she's just so fed up and how she gets fed up with her boss and the frustrations and how tough it is. For, I mean, there's all these kind of day-to-day moments that he kind of works into the story after, you know, one of the main characters kind of falls out of the story a little bit or completely. He brings in these other elements that kind of gets into the kind of mundane parts of life and how tough that can be. The feeding mm-hmm. and the school and the work. And, you know, that, that that's, as we all three know, that's some of the toughest stuff you deal with in life. And, yeah. uh, her kind of rebelling against that is, you know, it's easy to kind of look at it and be like, oh man, that's, you shouldn't do that. But, you know, she's probably had a kid young and she's kind of working through that too. And it's, it's really kind of a shock when you, you know, what develops there um, and what happens. I'm kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> that was interesting. I didn't expect that. It's a great scene in the, uh, the bathroom to say the least. Yeah. That's a oh, pretty. That's, that's a wild scene. <laughs> yeah, it is, ain't it? That is like wow. It goes further than I thought it was going to. Like I thought it was okay. Oof, we dodged <laughs> bullet there. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no one dodges any bullets in this movie. No, no, nope. they no. eat them all. Not a single, not a single person. <laughs> no, I really, I, re- I really enjoyed it, and also, you know, I don't really have much more to add to the movie. I mean, I, I just came out of it. I was confused, but it's one of those kind of films where there's a lot more going on here. Uh, and I know that, like, I feel like there's more meat and more things I'll get on a second or a third watch or repeated watches over time. Um, but I love the way it ends too. I mean, it's just, it's kind of matter of factly. And like Josh said, kind of, kind of optimistic, or at least it feels optimistic compared to what you just went through. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's just, it's interesting to me. It's almost like he, he's kind of leaving it kind of open. Not for a sequel or anything, but just kind of leaving the idea of what's going to transpire in these characters' lives now that they have this, potentially this little girl they're going to take care of. Maybe. Uh, I mean, she was at some point uh, clearly possessed. And that's why I kind of dropped off at some point of the, the IT angle. But at the same time, I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe you could get possessed by IT. I've seen some people who are possessed with IT yeah. swerving into my lane, driving towards me. Uh, you know, I mean, we've all been there, so, you know, it's, uh, it's some scary stuff out there, but yeah, man, this movie is, uh, it's, it's certainly going to be one of the more unique films we do probably this whole year. No doubt about that. I mean, it's, it's uniquely, uh, Nakashiman, uh, Shiman, Nakashimian. Uh, I don't know how you, how you would say that, but it's, it's, it's a wild ride. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's, a, I, I envy getting to see this in a theater because oh, yeah. i can't imagine this reminds me of like when i went to tiff with will you know we would come out of a movie sometimes and be like whoa what just happened 
you have those great festival moments like that. And that's one of the great things about film festivals is sometimes you'll have moments. To something that just blows your wig completely back. Yeah. Yeah. And this was, this was definitely the, the case with this film. Yeah. It was coming out of the theater and all of us just making a beeline for each other just to say, did you see that? Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was one of those ones where here I am watching by myself and after it's over, I'm like, I got nobody to talk to about it. I'm like, I got to wait a couple of days to yeah. talk about this. And that, 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 that was brutal. Because I was like, I need to talk about it like right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I was very excited to talk about this and just kind of spitball with you guys. And, you know, what we felt, right? There's just a lot of bubbling and brimming in this one. Oh, it's a it's it's an amazing movie. I mean, I I can't champion it enough. I mean, I, it's it's really really good, and people should definitely check it out. Nakashima's definitely he's got the touch, man. At least it, it, you know, I, for me and for us, it feels like he's just got the touch. Um, okay, let's get into uh, MVT's Make or Breaks. Will, what do you got? Make or Break, the Hideki scene. First big bullet that is not dodged. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I was like, okay, so this is what's up. <laughs> right? Okay. And then it pivots. But that scene, like I said, it's an exercise in tension. I, I was like, oh, my God, my heart. I can't take it. I'm glad I didn't have six espressos like I wanted to. And it just, oh, man, good, good stuff. Sets it up masterfully, orchestrates it masterfully. Fantastic scene. Uh, MBT, I think it's an obvious one. I could go with so many things, you know, because the cast is generally good, the aesthetic of the film. But really, this is this is a Nakashima jam, right? Like, he is... The maestro, he brings it all together. He has to juggle so many balls in the air um, and make something coherent, something that brims with ideas and thought and heart um, that challenges us to look at, you know, assessing, you know, society and, and, and family dynamic, technology, relationship with all of that. Um, he does it wonderfully. Uh, my score for this one is an 8.25 out of 10. Um, just a fantastic film. Like, this guy is... I haven't seen all of his films, but he is absolutely batting a 1,000. Like, it just... I've never seen anything that I thought was a misstep by him. Yeah, I haven't yet either. So. He's a song master, I feel like. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Josh, what do you got? All right. Uh, my make or break... <clears throat> I'm, Really, for me, it's got to be the exorcism uh, at the end. Uh, that exorcism is unlike anything. Like if, when you when you hear exorcism, you think you know, small dingy room, somebody mumbling something or other, and a bunch of blood, maybe a head spinning. But you don't think this. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you don't think an entire apartment courtyard filled with <laughs> chanting, you know, mystics, uh, <laughs> and a, an entire building vomiting blood, goo everywhere. You don't. None of this stuff. Uh, comes to mind and it's just such a powerful moment that and it comes you know two hours into the film mm -hmm. and you're still right there with it and I think that's that's just really hard to beat uh, again the I'm gonna go with you as well on the uh, MVT it's got to be Nakashima you know for me he's been a visual filmmaker uh, and that's what drew me to him in the first place I mean with with kamikaze girls it's kind of hard to avoid every the whole movie is neon yeah. You know, yeah. And with all of his other films, there's always some sort of visual, uh, visual key. Uh, with Memories of Matsuko, is similar to, to Kamikaze Girls in terms of the aesthetic. When you get to Confessions, it's very dark, but there's still a very consistent 
uh, sort of almost the the blackness on the screen matches the the blackness uh, thematically in the film. And it could be visually here as well, but for me, it's the storytelling, it's the script in this of this film, and the way he's able to lead you through all of these different uh, phases of of this possession, this demon, this whatever the fuck is going on. Uh, you may not know exactly what's happening from moment to moment, but you never want to look away, nope. and you're always surprised uh, by by what he's putting there in front of you, but it always makes sense. Uh, it's just brilliant. The script is brilliant. Uh, he did a wonderful job with that. And my score is going to be an eight and a half, 8.5 there just cause man, I fucking love Tetsuya Nakashima. I really do. And this is, it may not be my favorite. I think you guys really need to get on memories of Matsuko. That's my favorite of his films, but this is a close second. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk off the air, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, I have to agree with Josh on the make or break. I mean, it's kind of hard not to. I agree with your scene too, Will, and also yeah. the scene with the the wife character in the bathroom. That's a great moment as well. And there's yeah. a lot of great moments in this film. I, you know, one thing we should mention we haven't talked about it much as we reviewed this and stuff, but this movie's actually got some funny bits in it too. Like the three yep. mystic old ladies or three or four mystic old ladies that come into town. They're only in the movie for about two minutes, <laughs> but. But uh, yeah, they're they're kind of come up and is kind of funny, uh, darkly comedic. I didn't I didn't mention this, and I don't mean to interrupt you too much. But there's some fantastic gore in this movie as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. There's good stuff in here. If you, if you top like top shelf stuff. Yeah. If you like gore, it's here. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I think the movie does have its kind of darkly comedic moments as well, uh, which is something he 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 works into his films. But I I, I agree. The finale is just I I just can't think of anything else similar to it i really can't and so i almost have to give it uh the make or break so i'm gonna roll with that nakashima is easily the mvt i agree although i did like the lady that played the wife i really thought she did a really good job kind of going back and forth and she made me like her and hate her and then like her again um which is no easy task uh really i i really enjoyed that performance what was that it, it totally pivots and he does that with a lot of the cast where mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. You like them. You're repulsed by them. You're you're just you find them reprehensible. You see the humanity and maybe not the justification, but the 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 sort of how they got there or why they were there, right? And it's it and, and you know it's almost like an anthology in a way, right? It's, yeah. Or like a Ashomani kind of um, look at perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. And, and, go ahead. Uh, yeah. No, I mean a little bit. I agree. I mean, there's. These kind of pivots and moments uh, with the characters that are that are very interesting. Different masks we wear, right? Mm -hmm. Like we think of certain characters as virtuous or ideal. Like I thought of his his high school friend. This guy's awesome. What a what a sweetheart. And then, nope, not at all. Nope. Yeah, no. the worst yeah. guy ever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, people are complicated, right? I mean, it, it, that's what he's saying. He, you know, they, yeah. um, I'm gonna agree. I, I'm right in there with you guys. I'm going to go 8.5. Nice. I, I do think this is a wonderful film. I don't know. It's it's certainly not. I think still think Confessions of the ones I've seen of his is still my favorite. Yeah. But I've now seen four of his films, and all four of them are amazing. And uh, I just need to see the rest of his work, because clearly this is a director who speaks to me. And his work is, uh, uh, it probably needs to be seen by more people. So, Definitely. Yeah, you folks out there listening, uh, you know, you movie buffs that do tune into this show every week, 
uh, definitely check out as many of his films as you can. Track this one down. Yeah. Yeah, track it down. Um, All right, that's everything. Uh, Will, I don't know if uh, uh, next week we know what we're doing and stuff, but I want to thank uh, Josh so much for coming on. So I I said this a little bit last week. Josh has actually been trying to come on the show for a long time. (laughs) Uh, Even when Will was kind of away for a while, Josh and I would kind of communicate a little bit back and forth, and I'd kind of, you know, throw the olive branch out there, but he always got really busy. Of course, Josh, you know, as well as anybody that comes on the show, if you know, you have an open door. So if you ever just want to come on and just hit us up, obviously we'll work into the schedule as much as we can. And, uh, we always love having you on. Uh, you always bring the thunder, no doubt. Um, so we really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's been fun. Yeah. And I can't believe it's been four years since I've seen that mug in person. Oh man. <laughs> it's yeah. Dude, move on. Yeah, well, I mean, it's been even longer. It might be even longer for me and you, Will. Oh, my God. All this is too long. I need to see these people more <laughs> yeah. often. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I, I can't remember the last time we were together. Oh. It was, I can't remember. <laughs> too long, man. It's too long, yeah. And, of course, Josh and I have never met, but I feel a kinship there. Your so. souls have met. Yes. Life is long, man. Life is long. Yeah. Okay. We'll make it happen someday. It'll happen. Yeah. Um, Body starts snapping. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yes. A different type of possession takes place. <laughs> <laughs> the obsession turns into possession. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if we're going to do uh, another guest next week or not. We'll talk off the air, but we'll figure that out. Um, again, thanks, Josh. I just want to tell everybody stay safe, as always. Um, there still is, sadly, a virus going around right there. Uh, we got a couple guys on the show who are living proof that you can still go yep. through it a little bit. So stay safe, stay well. Uh, and if not, if you end up on the couch somewhere, just throw on the Tubi. Uh, you can not be disappointed by, by the odd selection of films that's on Tubi. Um, I will say adios. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com